It's Spencer Hughes, and thanks so much for being with me. I have a very special guest. Mark Saboyle is my guest. He was born and raised in Cape Town, and he is doing something really, really innovative here in the Pacific Northwest, out of Seattle specifically, but through the region as well in Western Washington and beyond. And it has to do with something we maybe step on a lot, those of us who live in the coastal regions, uh, in areas with shellfish, and that is the crushed seashells beneath our feet, specifically oyster shells. And most of us don't think twice about them. I particularly love oysters, Mark, and I'm the only one next to, I think my father-in-law maybe likes oysters, but whenever we eat oysters, I get them all because everybody else is repulsed by them. I, I will eat them raw, baked, cooked, grilled, sauteed, any <laughs> any which way. <laughs> I'm a big oyster fan. Yeah. Uh, Mark, welcome to the I show. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure, Spencer. Good to be here. Well, you have a very fascinating background. You, How long have you been in the U.S.? So I arrived in the U.S. Um, in the mid-90s, um, came to school here, went to the University of Washington, um, and I studied marine biology and fishery science. And uh, interestingly, I went to grad school on the East Coast and then did some postgraduate work in New Zealand. I ended up living in New Zealand for uh, 12 years before moving back and I married an American, my wife from Boston, and moved back to Seattle about four years ago from New Zealand. Wow, what a fascinating background. And I, I yeah. believe I believe you now call home one of the most beautiful places in the area, Bainbridge Island, is that right? Yeah, we live on Bainbridge Island uh, with my two boys and uh, we love it. We think it's a fantastic place to live. So you are, I want to make sure I get your title right, you're a marine scientist by training and everything, right? That is really what you studied to be, right? A marine scientist? Yeah, that's correct. So I studied as a marine scientist and for a big chunk of my career, I ended up working in the seafood industry and we would develop uh, eco-certifications for uh, companies looking to sell their product into more developed Western markets in Europe and the US. So I would go in and work beside government officials, primarily outside the U.S., and just try to get them to improve their fishing standards so they comply with um, international fishery regulations and and export, import uh, regs, things of that nature. And there's, there's several certifications out there, such as the Marine Stewardship Council and Fair Trade. So we would work in collaboration with those types of agencies to try to get, you know, these companies, um, at, you know, working at a much higher environmental uh, level. Now, before we get to these wonderful, innovative things you're doing with Oyster Shell specifically, help uh, a neophyte like myself out because I'm still trying to learn all this. I, I grew up in California and spent most of my first 50 years there and then moved up here about three and a half years ago with the family and love it up here. And I'm a big oyster fan, seafood fan all around. And I've heard different things. I I've understand that when you shuck the oysters, you have to leave the shell where you got the oyster because that's how the new oysters are born, right, and develop. I don't even understand the whole biology of, of oysters. I wish I understood it better. But could you give us kind of a, a thumbnail, uh, everyday person's <laughs> explanation as to why these shells are left where they are found? And is that always the case? Do they have, is it a law? Is it a regulation? Is it a suggestion? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So the layman that goes down to the beach and just happens to uh, collect oysters in the right season that they know are safe to eat, the it's good to leave the shell on the beach because the way that oysters reproduce, they release their larva and the eggs into the ocean and they 
fertilize externally and then the babies are larvae so they actually swim until they get to a certain size and then they settle to grow shell and they need a substrate such as shell to be able to settle and grow into a baby oyster and so it's encouraged to leave the shell to ensure that new oysters can regenerate. Now, the majority of oysters that are grown in the, the Pacific Northwest, they are grown in in bays throughout the Puget Sound. But in recent time, there's been a huge demand for selling oysters in the half shell. When you go to a restaurant, you want a nice looking oyster. So you want a, a nice shell and present it to you um, with, an, with, a, with a lovely oyster sitting in it. And the way to do that is that the oyster needs to grow initially in a hatchery. So over the last 10, 15 years, a lot of the oyster farms have built um, oyster hatcheries to be able to grow baby oysters. And then once they get to a certain size, then they place them back into the bays to grow out. So in previous times, before restaurants were serving oysters in a half shell, um, the majority of the oysters were chucked in factories at the oyster farms and bottled. So they would collect mountains of oyster shell, big middens of oyster shell, that the shell would then be reused and they would put them in in these plastic bags, put them back into the bays, and then the, the oyster, the baby oyster could settle on, you know, onto this shell conglomerate and grow up. But what tended to happen was that the oysters that they would harvest, the, the shell was often distorted, but it didn't really matter if you were only using the meat. But now because you're using, um, you want to present a nice looking oyster, that excess oyster shell that, that you would once um, use as a substrate to grow other oysters is not necessary. So some of the large oyster farms that I've been working with have all this excess shell because they're primarily tar- targeting those high-end markets. So they're constantly growing thousands of new oysters in their hatcheries and then putting them back into the bays, but they don't need those excess oyster shell bags to place into the bays because they're not chucking uh, as many oysters as they used to. That's so, so that's fascinating. That's yeah. so, so fascinating. So that's I came into the equation. Wow. Yeah. So, so you came up with this idea of, wait, why don't we, and I'm, the older I get, Mark, the more I want to repurpose things in my life. I used to be so wasteful, I hate to admit, but the first half of my life plus, I was just wasteful like many people are. Certainly, I hate to say it, but in America and in many Western nations, we're just very wasteful. We take things for granted. We have plenty, plenty of just about everything. And we just, you know, whether it's utensils that we use once and throw away, and we just use plastic forks and knives everywhere, and we just throw everything away, straw. And and we're just not always cognizant of what we're doing to the environment and that there are things that we can repurpose quite nicely. And that's what you've done with crushed oyster shells. And I want people to check out your website, which is shell-scapes.com for shellscapes. And this is a business that you started where you landscape with these crushed shells. When did this start? And, and when did you know you wanted to turn this into a business? So this is um, when COVID hit. My my travel essentially just stopped. It came to a standstill. I wasn't able to visit countries and continue with the, the work that I was doing as a marine scientist. 
And so I knew there was this opportunity with the oyster farms. I knew that they had these large middens of unused shell, and uh, but I really never had the opportunity to develop it into a business. But when when COVID hit, I was looking for other things to do, and I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to get this business going. So I approached a few of the oyster farms to see if they were interested to work with me to recycle the material. And I knew that oyster was a perfect material to use for landscaping. I'd spent quite a bit of time on the East Coast when I was at graduate school. And my wife, she grew up in Cape Cod area, New England. And I remember you know, driving and, and past many of these homes using, they used a clamshell uh, on the driveways. And there's, oyster, there's also oyster shell found on the East Coast, but it's, it's not as prevalent. Um, but when I spoke to landscapers on the East Coast, they said they actually preferred to use oyster shell, but it was more expensive for them because there wasn't as much of it and it crushes down better. But uh, I just loved the look. And um, so here I just saw this opportunity Shell wasn't being incorporated into landscaping. And I thought, well, why don't we bring it here? And I chatted to a few landscape architects and bounced the idea of them, and they thought it was a good idea. And uh, that's how the business started. Wow. And one thing that I never even thought of with this is one problem we have, um, we're in Mason County, and like much of the state, obviously, it gets very wet. It's very kind of rainforest-like uh, in the in the rainy seasons. And Weeds just crop up everywhere. Well, the first year we were here, we got the uh, a weed dragon. I was so excited that I could carry around a little portable propane tank and just burn the heck out of weeds. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I got a lot of uh, aggression out that way, maybe. And um, But the weeds would grow right back. I mean, they would just come back like within days. And I'm thinking I'm going through propane tank after propane tank, and, and these weeds are still cropping up. Oyster shells are actually, they, they, they can help dampen that, right? I mean, they, they can keep not only weeds away, but also garden pests, right? They could be a nuisance like slugs. They can be. So oyster shell being an organic material, will, you will find weeds and grow in it. But when, when the oyster shells lay down, we crush it down to quite a fine material when it's used on pathways and driveways. And, it's, and we lay it down, we spread it out, and we compact it. The compaction is a really important step in the installation process. When you lay gravel down, for example, it's 90, 95% compacted already. When you lay oyster shell down, it's not even 40% compacted. Um, it's through the compaction that the oyster flour, which is the fine material that comes out of the processing of the shell that binds the shell fragments together and creates a super hard surface to dry to drive on. Now this is really fascinating property of utilizing the shell is that once it's compacted, the the oyster flour essentially recalcifies and binds the shell fragments together, creating a surface that can be as hard as concrete. And that's why it's such an amazing material to use for driveways and for pathways. And it's also a great environmental substitute to other materials that are not as environmentally friendly, such as concrete. And we know concrete or asphalt are some of the greatest uh, CO2 emitters 
or any material. And when we're using oyster shell, we 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 bringing we, we recycling the material and bringing it back into the environment instead of just getting collected. I mean, we know that millions of pounds of of, of shell is are eaten in the U.S. each year. And the question is, well, where does all that material go? It ends up in the dump. What we're trying to do is you know, make a tiny contribution to begin to recycle all this shell that consumers are eating. And we know that it's, it's good for the environment. And, it's, and we know that it also prevents um, slugs, like you say. So the reason why slugs don't like it is because they have some sharp edges to it. And so it completely prevents any slugs. And slugs are a big problem in the Pacific Northwest. But um, slugs don't enjoy um, sliding all over the shell. So it keeps them away. And uh, with regard to your question around weeds, the re- after the compaction, um, you're dealing with a surface that's very hard. So it's very difficult for weeds to grow coming from underneath the shell come up. You will find seeds get blown in on the from the top. And so there will be some weeds that will grow like it does, you know, in between paver stones, sure. gravel. But because um, the seeds are coming in from the top, they're very easy to remove. But you will get some, um, you know, some weeds, but it, definitely the, the weeds coming in from the bottom that prevent that. Now, what about with all the the rain that we do get here in the Pacific Northwest and here in Washington State? How does it do with heavy rains? Does it? I would imagine it's not something that's going to wash out very easily. How does how does it take the rain? Does it take it well? Yeah. So the material is uh, porous, and that's another great property. Um, so when it does rain, the water will settle and allows the rainwater to um, sink through the material back into the groundwater. And this is another benefit of using the oyster shell versus other aggregates such as gravel. So with gravel, um, yes, it's porous, but what happens is that when you drive over it, the stones will move around a lot, creating ruts and holes. So what um, homeowners will tend to do is add a binding agent to gravel to help keep the stones together. And that binding agent has potentially adverse effects to the environment. It can uh, sink into the groundwater, leach into the groundwater, and contaminate it. Whereas with the shell, because you just have this natural property of being able to recalcify and, and bind the shell fragments together, you don't have that issue. And it's completely porous. So we're working, we're doing um, some work in Seattle with a, with a company that, a big commercial enterprise that built a massive parking lot and were unable, weren't allowed by the city to use cement or asphalt because it needed to be a, a porous area. Um, there's there were some streams nearby where salmon were um, running, and the city were concerned that um, a lot of the rainwater that would come off the asphalt or the cement would contaminate these sensitive river habitats um, where the where the salmon um, were living, and so they were told you've got to keep it gravel to allow the water um, to sink through. But because it's such a busy area, they were constantly having to regra- you know, grade the area, right, bringing right. more gravel, 
because it was just causing all these ruts and holes. So they approached us to say, look, is there an opportunity here to be able to help utilize your oyster shell to create a more sturdy surface? So what we've done is we've crushed the shell down into a into a flour or powder form, and then we mix it in with the gravel. And it's the 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 flour because it's this has this property of recalcifying is has binding the gravel fragments together. So it's actually acting as a a natural binding agent for the gravel instead of them um, you know using something unnatural which they you know aren't allowed to do. And then it also saves them a lot of money because they don't need to now um, have to regrade the area every couple of months, which is creating a lot more sturdier surface um, to drive on and park on. Nature is wonderful, isn't it, Mark? I'm telling you, it's the old joke. Everything was going great until the monkeys moved into the neighborhood and ruined everything. But <laughs> nature <laughs> nature just has such a, yeah. a synergistic it's, it's quality to everything. It's really amazing when you go natural Nice things happen. I mean, it, it's no coincidence, I think. I don't believe in coincidence, but when you do things that are, you know, organic, it just usually has a very good outcome. There are very few bad outcomes from going the natural route, whether it's, you know, natural eating or exercising or anything that you do that is close to nature always seems to have a, a pretty good outcome, I think. Um, I, I know I'm keeping you here a lot longer than I, pr- I promised I would, so I apologize. But um, w- one last question, and then I want to ask you how people can get in touch with you and find out more about Shellscapes, okay? I want them to, to find out about this, maybe consult you to, you know, landscape their own property or their driveway or something. But we know slug don't like these shells what about uh human feet um is it hard on the feet like if you walk out to your yard and there's oyster shell crushed into the landscaping as part of the paving uh is it hard on the feet no it's very soft uh, on the feet so we crush the shell down to different grades um depending on the use so we've we've crushed it down to a three-eighths minus which is really good for bocce courts so it's really fine, and, we, and customers have also been using it for to create a more French courtyard look. So French courtyards, if you think about it, they've traditionally always used oyster shell uh, at very fine shell. So the three eighths minus is used for that bocce courts, French courtyards. We've been crushing it down to a one inch minus, which is used for um, driveways and pathways. The nice thing about oyster shell is when we process the shell, it fractures into flake, which means that you don't get these sharp shards uh, that you would get if you process clamshell, for instance. So it ends up being really soft on your feet, and it's fine for pets. So pets can, your even your small dogs and, and cats can walk on it, no problem at all, barefoot. Um, so there's no issue with that. And um, so we so we supply the material, but we're also now starting to do the installations. I've always had an interest in um, landscaping. It's just always been something that I grew up with. Um, my parents were big landscapers um, where I grew up. So I grew up in an environment um, being very conscious of how to, in- to incorporate and enjoy the aesthetics of good landscaping. And then when this company started, there was such a demand for the shell and people are always asking well, who can we get to help install it? Because there's a few <clears throat> nuances about installing shell compared to installing other types of aggregates that I just had to get my head around. But once we started learning how to use the material, we put together a team and I've par- partnered with um, a couple of landscape designers that we now have a dedicated team 
of of uh, landscapers that we do all our own installations. So we do hardscape and um, landscape installations and incorporating, specialized incorporating the shell. Because most often when people say they want shell, it's not just laying down the shell on a driveway. They may want it on a pathway and the pathway may require building steps or it may require building retaining walls. And then you're also building, and then you, you're having to put edging around um the the pathways and then when you're starting to build edging around plant beds you're having to possibly bring in soil and then re-landscape the area and incorporate the right plants and so the company has grown into not just being a supplier of shell we're now um, enjoying the, the installation process as well but it's been a really important ethos of us of our company to ensure the environmental integrity of the area. And so one other thing that we're starting to do is do something which we call um, soft landscaping. So that uh, whole idea or notion is to incorporate indigenous plants back into your garden. So many homes around the Puget Sound are built very close to the water. And then, you know, there's old jetties and bulkheads that are starting to um, break down and, uh, you know, creating these disturbances in the water or along your property that is just not good for the environment. So what what we're trying to do is to um, remove those obstacles and then incorporate materials that... Um, are found locally, and that, that's what I love about the shell is that it's it's a local product. It's literally something that's found on your doorstep, and so we're introducing that along you know, into your garden space and providing and developing and building natural um, uh, using natural materials to uh, you know to secure your bulkheads um, and you know and just to. Uh, provide a much more environmentally friendly habitat where you know fish could come back and create these nursery grounds um, you know for for these marine organisms and other animals that that live in the area fascinating stuff mark i could talk with you forever i really i'm sorry we went over time here mark saboyle has been my guest he is the owner and operator of shellscapes and uh, they work with local sustainable oyster farms in the uh, seattle area and beyond to uh, help recycle and reuse and and reduce these discarded oyster shells which are everywhere in our region their website is shell-scapes.com shell-scapes.com they have a great pinterest page they're on facebook as well please give their page a like Mark, what is the best way someone could reach out? You have a quick quote uh, link, by the way, on your website, which is awesome. People can put the square footage of the area that they want to uh, landscape, perhaps, or cover up or, or, or pave or whatever with these, and you'll get back to them with, with a quote. Um, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? You want to give out your phone number, or how does uh, how does one get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. So my telephone number is uh, 253-670-9948. So they can always give me a call and happy to just discuss their projects. Another good way is send me an email at mark, M-A-R-K, at shell-scapes.com. And then again, just contact me through the contact us page on my website. 
Well, it's a wonderful company you have here. And when I, I first heard about it, it was uh, King Five did a story on you um, in the in the fall here, and I, I was fascinated by it because I'd never even thought of the use of oyster shells for for this purpose. And I just I love the organic nature of your company. I love what you're doing, and I love the difference you're making. So, Mark, thank you so much for starting this company. Thanks for your brilliant ideas behind it, and. I will do all I can to, you know, maybe direct some people your way. I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you for your time, sir. And uh, maybe we'll connect again one of these days and, and talk some more about this as your company continues to grow and expand uh, beyond the Seattle area. That sounds good. Thanks. So thank much. you.